Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. You know, there are several unassailable truths out there in the world. You know, things like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, that kind of thing. One of them that became very obvious this weekend to me is that if you release an Avengers movie, it will be number one at the box office. I guess maybe it's not an unassailable truth, but it's uh, certainly proven itself over and over and over again to be true. This week on the House of Kraus, we had an interesting person drop by. Emily Van Camp is a Canadian actress. Uh, you may not recognize the name, but you certainly have seen her if you were a fan of the show Brothers and Sisters. She played Rebecca there. If you are an Avengers fan, you know her as Agent 13 or Sharon Carter in the Captain America movies. And most recently, obviously, in Captain America Civil War, which made a fortune over the weekend. She'll be here in a little while to talk about the Avengers, to talk about how she started off dancing, to talk about how dancing kind of helped her along and came in very handy when she was making Civil War. First up, though, I want to play just a little clip from a much longer conversation that I had with a really interesting man. I loved talking to George Zimbel. George Zimbel is a legendary photographer. He took photographs of Harry Truman, of... Helen Keller of Marilyn Monroe that have become classics. He was a street photographer, kind of like Ouija, I suppose, who may be a slightly more known name, uh, although Ouija's work tended to be crime scenes and a bit more grim than George. George kind of looked for the joy in life and was a photographer for 40 years for the New York Times. Uh, he took photographs for everyone you could possibly imagine, including classics, as I said, of Truman, of Helen Keller, of Marilyn Monroe. Now there's a movie about his life. The movie is called Zimbalism, made by his son, Matt Zimbal, uh, whose voice you'll hear uh, coming in and out of this conversation. And I just wanted to play a very quick clip where we talk about one of the most famous photographs of the 20th century, a photograph of Marilyn Monroe standing on Lexington Avenue on a sewer grate, I guess a subway grate. The train comes by and her skirt blows up and who is there to catch the picture but George Zimbel. Let's go back, if we can, uh, to the night that you took a very famous photograph of Marilyn Monroe. And I'm looking for the date here in my notes, and I can't seem to Nin find... 1954. 1954. Uh, it was at, uh, uh, the, on Lexington Avenue. There was a press conference for Seven Year Itch. No, actually, it was a shoot. It was a, they, would, they did the movie right. in, on Lexington Avenue and 52nd Street with a crew, uh, and a Hollywood crew. And uh, um, so they allowed the still people, there must have been maybe 15 people there, um, to shoot in, before while right. they were doing the warm-up of the scene. So that was quite interesting. And you weren't initially one of those 15 that was chosen to go, though. No. And so how did you end <laughs> up there? Uh, there was a photographer named George Carger, who was a famous, uh, well, I think famous anyway, a Broadway photographer. And uh, he said to me, uh, Kay Kidd, 
you, uh, you, you want to shoot the most famous movie star in the world? And I said, yeah, Mae West. <laughs> Does anybody know who Mae West was anymore? I know who Mae West was, <laughs> but that's my business. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he said, no, Marilyn Monroe. I said, let's do it. Oh, yeah. And he gave me his credentials. So I didn't have credentials for that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends did, right. but and I wasn't really that interested. But I went, <laughs> and um, and I, I arrived early. And this is this is a difference. I took a, a Norwood photometer, which it's a light meter, right? It's a light meter, twenty five bucks at the time, right? And I went and stood where Marilyn was going to stand, and I took a reading. And I never varied that reading. That's the reading right. that I used. And that meant that when I was photographing, I was photographing into the Klieg lights. I was, photo oops, right. I was photographing things that, that spontaneously allowed me just to work. I right. didn't have to keep taking media readings. I didn't have to, for instance, with a digital camera, it keeps changing according yep. to the scene. No. This was very straightforward. And then she arrives. And that was amazing. She, what a pro. Marilyn, what a pro. She, they, they would, the photographers would say, and I'm not including myself, because <laughs> I just, I was there, but I wasn't there in right. a certain way. And they would say, can you do this? Can you do that? Yes, yes, she'd do it. And the, and the tech people they would blow the skirt up. Yeah. And then at one point, they blew it up over her head, and everybody <laughs> laughed, and they were having a great time of it. And DiMaggio was getting really, really, really upset. Joe DiMaggio, big-time baseball player and her husband at the time. Right. And so he probably did, he was very protective of her, and he probably didn't appreciate the skirt being blown up over her head very he, much. He did not appreciate that at all. <laughs> and um, he... he um, Finally, he and Walter Winchell, the famous okay. Broadway guy, they walked off the set right in front of the movie. Ca I mean, I'm not talking about our cameras, right. but they had a Hollywood camera. <laughs> he walked right in front and off the set, and they were really ticked off by the whole thing. And your photographs, though, are different than the other 14 photographers that were there because your position was different. Well, that's true. Yeah, you <laughs> stepped back. Always, right? <laughs> well, well, I was stepped back by the New York City Police Department. <laughs> the, the, what happened was um, the Leica is very quiet. Right. Okay. And so when they said, they used to have a thing, no more photos. Yeah. That, and everybody had to stop shooting. All the press, knew, I knew all those guys. They, they stopped because that was the code. Right. And I said, oh, you know, this is just too good. And the Leica doesn't make any noise, so I'll just keep shooting. Well, it took about two minutes, and they walked me, the cops walked me off the set. Somebody, somebody complained, yeah. and I don't blame them, but anyway, I tried. So they put me in the front line of behind the police line, which was a great angle. Probably better than the, <laughs> the earlier angle. Matt, and when you were growing up, were you aware of these photos? Were you aware, like, my dad took pictures of Marilyn Monroe. How cool is that? No, because uh, he, the story is that he went home after the shoot that night. He developed them, um, and he put them in an envelope, and he never opened them up again until 1976. 
And uh, the reason is that I think, well, I mean, it's funny to say this sitting across the table yeah. from George, but he was kind of embarrassed about it because it was a celebrity shoot and he didn't do celebrity photography. Right. So right. he took them, put them in the envelope, never printed them. They were never printed until 1976. And then he went and looked at them and he realized, no, this is not about celebrity. This is about people working. Yeah. And it suddenly had... And he loved the shoot. He saw it, and it was it made sense to him. And he said, "Yeah, no, no, this is this is. I'm going to print this." Could you not have made a few dollars from them though in yeah. 1954? Don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to George Zimbel. Could have talked to him for hours longer than we actually uh, did chat. He's someone who who tells me still after 70 years of being a photographer, more than that, takes pictures every day, and when he doesn't have a camera strapped to his chest, he uses a digital one these days because it's a little lighter than the Leicas that he used for many, many years. But when he takes a walk down the street from his home in Montreal, where he now lives, he still sees pictures. He just doesn't look around and see landscapes or people in the way that the rest of us do. He looks around and he sees pictures in his mind. I love that. I love talking to him. Still develops everything by hand. Still does the work that he was trained to do when he was just 14 years old and was learning how to be a photographer. George Zimbel. If you want to know more about him, and I think you probably do, check out the movie Zimbalism. Now, Emily Van Camp is a Canadian actress. She was born in Port Perry, Ontario, lives in Los Angeles, and she's on all sorts of things, brothers and sisters, best known probably right now for playing Sharon Carter, I guess she's Captain America's love interest, uh, in the Avengers movies, most recently in Captain America Civil War. We talked about her start, how she began a performing career, a life spent in front of people. She's young, but she started really young. She started when she was just three years old. And I got to tell you, this chat was recorded on a day when she had done about a hundred interviews, literally, probably. And uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of talking. I also was very tired. So it's just kind of a little meandering conversation that we had that, that goes here and flits around to there and all over the place. Enjoy talking to her, though. Here's my conversation with Emily Van Camp. I was reading over the news. You started performing at age three. What were you doing at age three? I was dancing, dance yeah. class. Yeah. Um, I think you know there were a lot of us in my family, so it was probably you know a way to tire us out. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and just kind of an outlet to to run around, um, which then turned into sort of. Um, you know, more serious kind of yeah. dance training. And do you remember, I, I don't think you would remember when you were three going, yeah, I love this. But mm -hmm. at, at some point, you must have said, oh, I, I'm going to take this quite seriously because a lot of young girls take dance, but not a lot go on to study and then yeah. go on to continue performing. Yeah, I mean, I always loved it. I also think that there was like, you know, there's, there's a competitive spirit that comes with dance and, you know, you're constantly driven to like, to you know you're essentially trying to achieve perfection in this you know it's 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 a really really difficult craft um and so maybe i think sometimes you lose sight as to why you're doing it you're just doing it because it's you know it's drilled into you you know um not at all by my parents but but you know in within the dance schools and, and all of that and yeah and teachers and stuff 
Um, so once I started acting, it became very clear to me that I was, I needed to sort of follow that path. And, uh, and the decision to stop dancing was very easy at that point. Do you think that all that dance training uh, paid off in this role? Because in the movie you're doing some, it looks like fairly complicated choreography in terms of the fighting scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, honestly dancing and ballet, as much as I left it behind, it also was, I mean, I would encourage everyone to do some form of dance training. It's so good for you. It teaches you poise. It teaches you how to hold yourself. It teaches you how to be connected to your body. Um, and, and it certainly helped me in, in, you know, in these roles in Revenge. I did a lot of fight sequences right. in Civil War as well. Um, it, it just allows you to be quite specific and technical in your movement. Um, and, you know, we had to shoot the scene in Civil War quite fast where, where you know, she kind of, her and, and uh, Black Widow are trying to take on Bucky, um, as well as Iron Man. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, it allowed me to sort of, like, learn the sequence really quickly. When we had to shoot it in an hour and a half, we'd never practice it. We'd never, I had no idea what I was doing that day. And, uh, and, and we got there and it was sort of like, okay, let's warm up. Can you do this? Can you do this? Great. Let's do it. And action. <laughs> and it's funny because we were just watching this in the other room. They, they've got a loop. Oh, really? So okay. we watched it over and over yeah. again. Waiting. And I was saying to uh, someone over there, he's like, I bet you this took forever to shoot. And you're saying completely the opposite. The opposite. No, they were running behind that day and they were, we, we shot most of it. We shot the, the reaction to getting slammed on the table the next morning. Right. Um, but, you know, all of the fight stuff was, was in like an hour and a half, I think. It was, it was insane. Wow. We, they, we had to shoot it so fast. Um, but it worked, you know? Mm -hmm. We just kind of got it done. You go with the energy of the moment, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think, though, however, to answer your question, I could have been able to do that. I would have been able to do that had I not had some formal training and, right. and dance. When they shoot something like that, I remember Uma Thurma, Uma Thurman telling me one time that when she was making one of the Kill Bill movies, mm -hmm. that they would teach her various moves. Mm -hmm. This move is number one. This is number two. This is you know whatever, and they all had numbers. And then Tarantino would just say, uh, "Give me fifty-seven, and that would be." And they weren't choreographed. He wanted them to look a, a bit more uh, spontaneous. Right. So he would just shout out these numbers. What kind of way do they teach you to do this? Do they do? You, does that ring a bell it's at just all for you? I mean, just no. We it was just a choreography essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Working yeah. with a fight choreographer. Yeah, or, well, yeah. It's it's arguably the best stunt team in the world. I would yeah. say they're just extraordinary, and um, these guys know exactly what they're doing. And you know, they're 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 they make you feel very safe as well. And, and you know that you're in good hands, so it allows you to kind of push yourself even further, you know. But no, there were no numbers or anything. It was just, it was very much just a choreography. Okay, you you come here, you do this, 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 then Scarlett's going to come in, and then you're going to run back in and do this and wrap your leg around here, and then he's going to throw you, and that's the end of that. And it's kind of like, all right, well, we just do it a few times and then get the cameras up, you wow. know. Yeah, it was intense, It was, but it was fun. I love that stuff. And when you see it on the screen, does it look the way you think in your head while you're doing it? I remember we shot that so quickly, I thought, oh my God, they're going to have to cut this. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> we, I, I just, I didn't know what was going on, but you know, that's when you know you, you can really trust your directors because mm -hmm. they made it look super awesome, I yeah. thought. Yeah. yeah, it looks fun. Um, now, when this comes out and, and, and you know, you're in this world, you've been in this world for a while, what, uh, what has the reaction from the fans mm -hmm. been? 
to you and the character? And like, do you get uh, love letters from people? Do you get like what? How do people respond to you? You know, because these fans are very invested. Incredibly in these invested. Characters. And I'll be honest, I get both sides of it. There yeah. are. There are a lot of people who um, have very specific ideas of who they want to see with Steve, um, <laughs> and sometimes I, Sharon is not that that person. Yeah. So I, I certainly hear about that. Um, but you know, you have to. I mean, you have to admire how invested people are, whether they're on your side or not, and um, and you kind of have to respect it. I I just have to do the best job that I can do with Sharon and create the best version of the character and uh, and not take some of it personally you know what I mean um, and and I do I have a blast playing her so you hope that for the most part your the fans are happy is this a world that you were familiar with before not in this latest I mean I watched the films I watched all the Iron Man films yeah. and always loved the Avengers movies and all of that um, but I was never a comic book fan it just goes to show, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it just goes to show how you know these movies can be enjoyed by anybody. Because I really had no clue. I, I knew nothing about Iron Man. I knew nothing about the Marvel universe um, when I would go see these movies, and I loved them, you know. Um, but then once I knew I was going to be playing Sharon, that's when the research started, and they handed me this Bible of everything Sharon Carter, and I just went to town with it and had so much fun, and you, you do understand why people become so invested in these characters. Well, I think they've done such a great job of connecting and interlocking these movies. I can't think of anything else that's like it. I In the history of movies, I mean, I guess the Lord of the Rings movies, but even yeah. that, they were only, you know... I three or four in the first one and then a few yeah. Hobbit movies and they weren't that connected. I mean, this is a, 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 a real universe. They're called yeah. the Marvel Universe. I've never seen anything like it at yeah. all. Yeah, no, neither have I. It's it's incredible and how they how everything is intertwined and even how they're introducing, for instance, the Black Panther and Spider-Man in yeah. this film, you know, you, it gets people so jazzed and excited. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing. Uh, and that's, that's a testament to the powers that be for sure. Kevin Feige's a genius, mm -hmm. I think. And, um, and and uh, Marcus McFeely, the writers are amazing, and then you have the Russo brothers who are just genius as well, and um, it all kind of trickles down. They just know what they're doing. The Russo brothers, I, I've often wondered how two people direct one movie. Do they have? Do they just like share a brain? Is that how it That's, works? I think or? they speak telepathically. I don't know what it is. They just somehow transfer in information to each other without having to say anything. I think. Um, no, they're they're extraordinary, they, and they work so well together. I could never imagine directing a film with one of my sisters. I love them to death, but it just wouldn't work. Whereas these guys really somehow are like they they just they work perfectly together. I, I couldn't imagine them ever having an argument. I, they probably do, I don't know, but mm -hmm. they just are such a great team. Um, it's kind of fascinating to see. Did, did you get the sense that one is more visual or one is more... Or I really is... think they both have a pretty strong handle on all of it. Yeah. So it's just whoever's available to do what. But it's also great for actors because there's always someone available for, for you know us as well. Um and there's always someone available for all the technical stuff and the, the big, uh, you know, the big scale of it also. Um, I think it's genius to have two people on this. And it's great that they're brothers. They get each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, you know, they, they've taken 
this story, which is, I think, a little bit similar to the Batman versus Superman story that came out, mm-hmm. the idea of unlimited power corrupting and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and and presented it so, so much more elegantly. Do you think? That, That's oh my great. God, yeah. And, was, and I was writing the review. I just saw it yesterday. I was writing the review yesterday. Oh no, I saw I saw this one. I didn't see Batman versus yeah. Superman. Yeah, but. <laughs> keep it that way okay yeah. but but this movie is so much more sort of elegant in the way that it presents it and it's funny and the action it's balanced, scenes are exciting it's what, balanced yeah, yeah. And it really they works. know how to do it they know exactly when to bring ant-man in because everyone needs a laugh right. do you know what i mean yeah. they know exactly how to introduce spider-man and those characters actually lighten the intensity of what's happening in yeah. that you know airport scene because I mean, it's it's actually pretty tragic to see the Avengers at odds with each other and fighting each other. Um, so those guys infuse like quite a bit of lightness, I think, and that's just these guys just know how to do it. They know when you need a laugh. They know um, they know when you need to get to the nitty gritty of the drama. They know when you need a big action sequence. It's all there. They're just masterminds of this stuff. It kind of struck me like uh, old movies from the '30s and '40s. Where you'd have uh, Lauren Bacall just get up and like start singing a song in a nightclub, but yeah. in the middle of it, and it's not a musical, but like her character happens to, and the pacing of it seems weird when you, if you just read that on the screen on the page, you go, oh, that seems like a kind of a weird cutaway. Well, yeah. It's going to like slow the action, up, and yet it doesn't, and it, it sort of provides an all-over kind of entertainment experience. Well, when you read the script, it's funny that you say that because you really do wonder how is this going to translate onto the screen. Yeah. It just, it's so big. There's so much happening. You think that it's everything's going to sort of get lost in the midst of the grandeur of it, and it doesn't. I mean, they everybody has a moment. Everybody, you know, each character has a moment to shine. Um, you know, one of the most sort of thoughtful things I heard Anthony say, because he was on tour with us in Europe, Joe went to Asia, but Anthony uh, Russo was saying they what they do is once they have the script, they sort of break it down from each character's perspective, and that's so clever, especially with this amount of characters, because... You want everyone to have their moment. You want everyone to be doing exactly what they're meant to be doing at every given, you know, and moment you, of the movie. And you don't want to feel like, and and this is one of the thoughts I had when I walked away from the movie. You don't want to walk away from the movie thinking, oh, that person was only there because they can do something cool. It doesn't yeah. forward the story, doesn't it? Yeah. And that that doesn't happen in this movie. Everyone's there for a reason. They're moving the story forward. Yeah. And that they can do cool stuff is yeah, is good too. Very... But but it all it all seemed to fit. Yeah, yeah. it really it really does it really does it, 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 and it was just really cool to be a part of that. You yeah. know, very yeah. very cool. So the big question they've got a little setup next door here where they take you have to choose team. Iron Man, right, right, right. Captain. I, I have a feeling, character-wise, yeah, where you, you know would, where where you am, would yeah. land on that. But, yeah. you know, it, it's funny because I was thinking about this, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like a, the, the larger conversation that you have about things like, you know, is it uh, is Team Captain, you know, about... Um, you know, like a libertarian and less mm-hmm. big government, whereas Iron Man wants bigger government, more oversight. And, and it's it interesting because you'd almost think it would be reversed you for would. the mo- you would. You, yeah, it's, it's, because of the you know, the age of the captain and all. Yeah. Absolutely, but he's you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's a really interesting debate. I think it's going to open up a lot of conversation, especially for the fans of these movies, because mm-hmm. there's no real right or wrong at at any given moment. Um, so it's difficult to take sides. I mean, I know I know where my character stands, yeah. and um, she certainly has her reasons, and um, I understand that, and and I can, 
because I play her, I get it, you yeah. know. But at the same time, um, I as Emily, I, I really do feel like it would make much more sense to to be on Iron Man's side. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, was, I, I was, still have <laughs> I still have my I still have my team cap yeah, button. I, I have I'm to team Iron Man on um, this one. Um, but I but I but you that's what makes the whole thing interesting. You think you're going to go into it with a very clear vision of whose yeah. side you're on, and you don't leave feeling that way, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get both. I understand both. I understand loyalty. Yeah. I understand friendship. I get that, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and uh, well, we don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. But there's another reason that, you know, that, that Bucky is probably, you know, shouldn't be thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Iron Man, uh, for me, Tony Stark's uh, uh, reasoning is, you know, logical. And that's the thing. Very that, logical. Yeah. And also, it's, it's amazing to see such a vulnerable side of him. I yeah. really enjoyed Robert's performance um, because of that. You're so used to seeing him as this, you know, overly charismatic, you know, charming. Wisecracking. Yeah, wisecracking guy and, and, and like genius, you know. Um, but you see his true, you know, moral dilemma in this and he's really challenged. And, and you know, I think there could have been a version where you know, you know, some actors just sort of want to come out on top, winning all the time. You know right. what I mean? And and I really I liked that. Um, you know, and that's what makes Robert Downey Jr. who he is, and and as talented as he is, that he just went there, that he really allowed himself to go to that vulnerable place and kind of give everyone an insight as to what he's the guilt that he's truly feeling. And I don't know. I just I really liked his performance, and I liked everyone's performance in it. But um, I liked seeing. Tony Stark in that light, you know. It's much different. If it's you look different. at the Tony Stark from the first movie. That's what I'm saying. And I loved here. the all of the Iron Man movies, yeah. but I was really impressed with, you know, how sort of deep they go with these characters in this one. Emily Van Camp, she is one of the stars of Captain America Civil War. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. As superhero movies go, this is a good one. As you heard me say in the interview, Batman versus Superman has some of the same themes as this big budget Civil War movie. You know, the idea that unrestricted power can lead to loads and loads and loads of problems and superheroes and people in capes and suits and things are fighting one another. All that is in there. But there's a certain elegance to the way that the Russo brothers handle Civil War that I think really makes it worth a a look. And Emily Van Camp uh, is uh, someone I think in future Captain America movies we're going to be seeing a lot more of. But now, it's time for you to get out of here. Go see Captain America Civil War, or go see Zimbalism, or go buy a book of George Zimbal's photographs. Do something. You just can't hang around here all day. I'm closing up, shutting the doors, locking them tight behind you. But be sure to come back next Monday, because I post a new episode every single week. Every Monday, there's a new one up here. And you never know who's going to come by for a visit. Someone that perhaps you're not all that familiar with, but could be one of your favorites too. Stop by and see us every Monday.